the AI suggesting things. It's it's creative. It's giving you ideas of what you could title your moments, the way you could caption your moments, what you could use as your moments. It takes a lot of the labor out. What up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Eric, and I'm your host, and you're listening to Clipped. Clipped is a podcast that brings you podcast production tips, resources, education, and industry insights to help you start, grow, and monetize a podcast. I'm stoked to be back on the pod with you this week for episode 42. Today, I've got a rad guest. His name is David Salib. He's the co-founder of Momento. That's studio.momento.fm. And we're talking about how Momento is an all-in-one content marketing platform for video, audio, and text. So the AI identifies shareable moments in your audio or video based on key points within your transcripts. So Momento is going to transcribe your either audio or video, and then it's going to pick several moments from that episode that it thinks are the best moments for you to share. Uh, and you can share these in audio or video format. They're great for social media and they're great for creating blog articles, whether that's on LinkedIn or on your website, uh, whether you want to use these for TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. It does all the work for you. So as we all know, it takes a long time to record a podcast. First, you got to book a guest, then you got to record, then you've got to edit it and publish it. But next, you got to think about marketing assets. Uh, and if you don't have the financial resources or the manpower to have someone create those for you, this is a great solution. It's AI-based. It's going to analyze your episodes, and it's going to give you those rad moments to share. And so in any case, I wanted to highlight David and learn a little bit more and share this with you because obviously AI is all the rage. And also AI just helps make our lives easier. And I've used several AI platforms for podcasting, for content creation. And so far, this is my favorite so shout out to David Salib, co-founder of Momento. And definitely check out the website, studio.momento.fm, and start putting out some great moments from your show. Let's give it a go. Let's touch a little bit about your background and how you got into tech. And uh, eventually we'll get into how you found Momento and your big vision for that. But I would just love to know how you even initially got started down that technical path. I was a nerd since birth, pretty much. So, you know, I, was, I think I was less than a year old. And I started playing with, with my, the computer we had at our house, uh, really just breaking it, not really play, playing with that at the time. So always playing with computers as a kid. I think I was probably five or six when I decided I wanted to be a programmer. I didn't even really know what that meant. And this was, this was a long time ago. So the, the tech scene was not even really what it was. So it wasn't, it was kind of just, I loved computers. I wanted to build things. And I'd even just, I didn't know how to code anything when I was a kid. So I probably just like draw things on paper. It's like, oh, I would love to have an app or at the time it was like a desktop software that did this. So I was really into just making things with, with computers. Started building websites when I was a kid, like maybe three, grade three, grade four. So oh, I started wow. building websites for small businesses. And it was just so much fun. Like I used to make money doing this and uh, not, not that much money, but you know, making a few hundred dollars for a third grader was a pretty pretty cool thing. And 
I just love doing it. And I, I, didn't, I don't think I've been spent any of that money most of the time because I, just, I loved making websites. I loved working with software and it was just a good time. So, I mean, I, I went into computer science and I, I ended up pairing it up with psychology and business. And I, I realized over time that I wasn't, I wasn't a nerd in the sense that I loved like algorithms and, and coding, although I do love coding. I, I really like the, the outputs and the, the final product. And then eventually it's like the solution. Naturally, when people tend to be interested in those kinds of things, the, there's this role in the tech world uh, called product management, where you end up interfacing between the business side and the tech side to to think of solutions, think of why we're building something, when we should build something. And that's when I really found like what I enjoyed day to day. And that led naturally to thinking of other problems outside of the company I was working at, started listening to a lot of podcasts, found some problems in the podcasting space that I really cared about. My brother, who uh, now is my co-founder, also really cared about these problems. And uh, that kind of led us into the space of building software for creators to solve a lot of their core problems. And really the biggest problem any creator has is discovery and growth. And that's how we ended up in the space of Memento, which is uh, software and AI tooling for creators to solve that problem of finding the audience, growing the show, etc. Very cool. So, wow. So you started uh, in this tech space, computers coding very young, which uh, I guess that's how it happens because, yeah, I don't know really anyone personally in this world, but I guess you get started young. There's a lot to learn. And it probably takes a long time to develop those skills. So podcasting. So you got into podcasting. What year was this? I like to ask everyone this question because I started listening to podcasts a long time ago, almost on accident. Around what time was this? And then what podcasts were you getting into at the time? The, I started this podcast around 2018, maybe 2017. And I distinctly remember the first podcast I was listening to was Philosophize This, uh, one of my favorite podcasts. And I, for a while, I just listened to Philosophize This, maybe just like for a year. It's like the only thing I really listened to while I was working. Then I started going to some other things in the history space, psychology space. And then eventually I discovered business shows like Business Wars, Business Movers, a lot of investor podcasts, which were also, also awesome. But that was more 2020, 2021 is when I got into that stuff. I myself maybe started in 2015, so a little before that. But I guess what was it? As you're getting into this podcast world and consuming this content, when did you realize that maybe there is a better way to consume some of this stuff in addition to just listening on Apple? When I started listening to podcasts, the thing that I loved the most was how it, you can get really deep into a topic and you can almost get like a mini lecture about something. So I was listening to Philosophize This. I'd be listening, learning about different philosophers and just diving into what they think. But the thing that makes podcasts awesome, which is how deep you can dive into them, is also what makes them kind of difficult to discover and then also presents challenges with with like extracting information from them. So what we actually started building, the very first app we started building was an app to take notes while listening to podcasts. You hear something you like, it's like, oh, that was a great point about podcasting or a great point about philosophy. But you tend to forget it over time because you don't have a way to write it down when you're driving or running or cooking. So the app would let you click your headphones, save something, and then you have it transcribed. And you could go back to it later by searching for it or saying, oh, there's this great part of the episode that I want to go back to. You open the episode, you can see everything that you saved. It was actually pretty decent. We got like 20, 30,000 users. If you look up Memento on uh, YouTube, you'll find like app reviewers reviewing Memento and top five productivity apps. It wasn't bad. And we thought we, ha we had something. But we realized that the total number of listeners in the world who 
were type A, wanted to save notes, were not just like listening passively, was actually a lot smaller than we thought. And that's when we started realizing that the bigger problems around discovery, the bigger problems were with, were with creators. There's actually a lot of podcast apps that have tried to break into the space. So apart from the big ones, like, so the big ones are Apple, Spotify. But other than Apple, Spotify, there's Overcast, there's Castro, mm-hmm. there's CastBox. Mm-hmm. Those ones have got around at most 1% market share in their best uh, situation. No other podcast app has been able to, been able to come on the market and uh, and break into that. And I think because listeners just don't have a big enough pain point, and that's what we found. We thought that note-taking would be that big pain point. It's like everybody needs to save parts of podcasts, or at least a decent pr- proportion of people. But it turns out that most listeners just want to consume. They don't really care which app they're listening on at the moment. And there isn't like a killer problem or killer feature that an app can provide that would change that for them. And that's how we kind of shifted far away from listening problems to more creator and uh, discovery problems. It's funny, I was just listening to an episode of The Feed, which is a podcast by Libsyn, and uh, Rob Walsh, one of the hosts, he just actually dropped that same statistic that, yeah, uh, like Pocket Cast and Podcast Addict, yeah, they have like a 1% share of the market, if not, maybe even less. Overcast, I think, and Google Podcasts, like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Overcast are like competing for like the third spot. But yeah, he was saying that uh, podcasters probably don't need another listening app. Like that's covered. So is this when you started planting the seeds for Memento and kind of coming up with your team on uh, a new idea? Yeah, exactly. And what year is this more or less? Like the, I want to know like the beginning, yeah. planting those seeds of Memento. Like, because I'd like to know just for me and for the listeners out of curiosity, like how long it takes to actually like code something and build something in the tech world. Cause that's not something I have any concept about. So it'd just be cool to understand when like the idea sparked and then when like the wheels started getting in motion and how long that takes. The first time we started writing code for Memento was during COVID. It's probably around April of 2020. And it took us about three months to build the first version of the app that worked. It's actually kind of a funny story how it started. I, I, there's an initial technical problem. How do you grab an, a part of audio and turn it into text? Just snipping a part of audio. And I spent a few days trying to figure it out, and I couldn't. And so I went to my brother. And at the time, because of COVID, we were both under the same roof. So I just go up to his room, said, hey, and we're working on this thing, just casually chatting. And he looks at me, and he's like, you're so dumb. I could, <laughs> I could do this in, in one night. And I said, all right, typical brother banter. I go to, I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, he actually built it. Like he actually found a way to do it. And that's what kicked it off. Once we found there was a it was technically feasible, everything else was a lot simpler from that point. So we built the first MVP in a few months. And then we built Memento for about, wow, almost like two years. We were building the app for about two years until we um, you know, grew up, grew to enough users. We raised a pre-seed on the uh, on the initial idea of Memento, and the goal was to solve podcast discovery. There's actually one or two other apps that have taken almost the exact same path we have, and also been trying to solve podcast discovery through moments and whatnot. So it was like it was a fundable idea, and there was you know I think there's potential. But then a few months into being funded, once you start once we started working full time on it and like really looking at the product, we realized that there's this opportunity to solve discovery. Like you know, for, for our goal is to solve discovery for podcasts. That's when we realized like the solution is not going to be on the consumer side, at least not today. The, for now, or at least in our current world, the consu- the solution is going to be on the podcaster side. 
let's have you describe what Momento is. And yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. Momento is the AI assistant for content to do all the things that you would typically hire a freelancer to do. A lot of human capital required. Uh, AI can now automate a lot of that. And wait, you, you mentioned earlier at the beginning, like so, we're, we're kind of like a software company. The world, for, for the listeners in, who are not in the tech world, companies in the software space are commonly known as software as a service. Uh, you create a software, you provide it at some kind of subscription or some, for some kind of amount of money, and you're able to access it and use it. I think the future of technology is going to be not software as a service, but AI as an assistant. It's not a great acronym. It's AAAA. But AI as an assistant means that if you're an accountant, a real estate agent, or a creator slash podcaster, you will have an AI tool that now is assisting you in the tasks that you're doing, not just software as a service. So that's what Momento is. It's an AI assistant for all the stuff that happens after you've edited the podcast, which is a lot of stuff that actually gets not forgotten, but you already spent hours recording and editing the, the, the content. It tends to be a lot of work and there's a lot of fatigue when it comes to now distributing it and marketing it and posting about it because you're probably also already moving on to your next episode. You got to start recording and planning the next one. Oh, dude, it's 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 so much work. It's like, yeah, you you, you know, you spend all this work recording, booking a guest, prepping, producing the show, and then it's like, well, damn, now I got to uh, get this out to the people and in just in addition to like publishing on an Apple you know, I need to be creating shareable assets for social media or writing copy for a newsletter or post for LinkedIn or, or whatever it is. And so, yeah, you're spot on. And I don't think people outside of the podcast world really kind of know about that aspect of it. Or if they do, obviously, they're seeing clips and stuff on social. I don't think they realize um, how much time like a human had to put into that. And if you don't have big budgets, or a team, or you don't have a large podcast that's generating money. Yeah, it's a lot of financial resources and and time, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So being able to, I mean, if you can afford it, you hire someone to do this, a freelancer, right. or you know, you've probably seen a bunch of marketing companies in the space. Like, oh. how much does a company usually charge to do this work? You you could definitely spend upwards, starting probably a couple thousand dollars a month, and then upwards from there, for sure. Wow. And that's where we came in, where we said, well, if podcasters can't, you know, most people can't access that kind of uh, budget. So can we create an AI? Now that AI is coming onto the scene, could we apply it to this problem? We were able to apply it to this problem. And the core of it is, can you get AI to identify marketable assets? And can you build a platform that makes it really easy to produce those marketable assets into video? And then we also do text now for tweets and blogs and whatnot. So now you have this assistant that can do any of the tasks that technically a freelancer or an agency would do, but it can do it in just like a minute or two per asset. And now you can just do it in an hour after you've edited. It's very painless. The AI is suggesting things. It's it's creative. It's giving you ideas of what you could title your moments, the way you could caption your moments, what you could use as your moments. It takes a lot of the labor out. And for the listeners you know, thinking about AI, the future of AI is not replacing people. It's replacing labor such that humans can just focus on decision-making. So now a user using Momento just hops in and says, these are all these different moments I could use. I want to focus on these three. These are these are the ones that are representative of my episode. And then here's a bunch of 
titles I could use or hooks I could use. I'm going to use this one. And here's a bunch of templates and here's a bunch of video production elements I could use. I'm just going to choose these ones and I'm done. Versus all the human labor you have to put in, which removes the opportunity to actually make those decisions. Because if you have to spend a bunch of time just doing it, you don't get to spend the time iterating and choosing what you might want to use for your for your final output. And that's exactly why I started using it and why I like it. And for me, mainly like the video component, because I'm going to take this recording that we're recording right now. Um, I'll do my editing of the full length video, get it up onto YouTube. And then um, Memento will actually pull in that video. It's super easy. You just on the top right corner, you select your YouTube channel and it's going to create these moments. And uh, I'm going to use those as short form clips for social media. Oftentimes the AI will pick something great and I won't have to do anything else. Other times the AI will pick something, I'll make a few little tweaks here and there. And I can easily and quickly produce several video assets for one episode. The templates are great. And I know, David, you guys are working on even more customization, which I think is key. Even I've been using it for... I've probably done like 15 or so uh, short form videos. And I've even since I started using it, like maybe two months ago, have already seen some improvement. Kudos to you. And guys, if you're looking for a solution to easily exponentially put out several assets from one episode, it's a good solution to that. So let's talk a little bit more about its features, David. So short form video clips, now your transcriptions, getting into tweets and blogs. Let's talk a little bit about that because I'm actually a big blogger. In addition to the podcast, I actually turned the podcast into blogs and in addition, write about um, other topics in the industry. But yeah, let, let's learn a little bit more about all the features that are are in it. You know, let's even maybe take it at a more higher level for, for the listeners. Um, the features enable an end goal. The end goal is reaching people where they are. So let's think about discovery. Discovery, to, to make something discoverable, you need to produce something that, uh, in, that sparks curiosity and can exist on a platform where there is an audience. That's why people pay you know, millions of dollars for a Super Bowl ad. They spend millions of dollars first for the spot. Luckily, you don't need to spend money. You, know, you could spend money. You don't need to spend money to get a spot on Facebook or Instagram. So you kind of have the, the platform ready for you. But then they spend millions of dollars as well producing their Super Bowl ad to capture attention and spark curiosity. So when you see that ad for the new BMW on the Super Bowl, you go look it up and you check it out. That's the, that's the discovery equation. And for a podcast, like how do you solve the discovery equation? Well, there's a few platforms you can be on. You can be on social media. Short-form video is, uh, has been one of the most successful organic discovery methods, especially with TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts, allowing you to get your content to go to people who just might be interested in it, not just following you. That's been a huge unlock, I think, for creators overall. Then you have Twitter, which is another great source. You have LinkedIn, which I'm seeing for podcasting, really great place to reach people because a lot of podcasting content is is um, related to some kind of profession or some kind of goal. In this case here, we're talking about podcasting and there's a lot of podcasters on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn's a pretty great platform. One that also values both text and video, not just video. So that's also something interesting about LinkedIn. I think those are ma- mainly the short form contents, right? You have LinkedIn, Twitter, short form video. That's kind of your short form. And then there's a medium form bucket, which Eric, I think you're, you're touching on here, which is, it can be blog posts, it can be email newsletters, and it can also be medium form video. And this is all content that takes more than a minute to consume, but doesn't take 
20 to 30 minutes. So you can capture five minutes of someone's time with a blog post about whatever it may be. And they'll read it and they'll get to know about your brand. They might subscribe to the newsletter. They might listen to the podcast after. You create this level of commitment between 30 seconds on social media and 30 minutes on your podcast. That helps introduce the brand and the content. And that's medium form content. Even harder to make than short form content. But I think extremely valuable if people can leverage it. Another great lever for podcast growth is SEO. And when people are searching on Google, they're like, you know, ways to grow my podcast, um, how to invest in real estate. An article based on 10 minutes from your show could be fantastic. And then the article has the audio at the top or at the bottom so they can dive in deeper. That's a really good discovery mechanism. SEO is, or search ads and SEO is one of the major ways that businesses grow, services grow. Why not podcasts? And when you can take your content, turn it into something text-based, give it a headline like the number one way to grow your podcast, three ways to leverage YouTube for your podcast, that's going to get discovered when people are searching for those things. And here's a little trick that maybe people aren't aware of. Google has a keyword search planner where you can search free Google keyword search and you can search for keywords and see how frequently people are searching for them. And you can see how frequently people are searching for topics related to your podcast. If you take an episode that you just recorded and you kind of break it down some of the topics, Memento can actually do this. If you just ask it, what are the core topics of my episode? It'll give you a list. You pump that into the keyword search, see how frequently those things are being shared. And then this is it's a plug for Memento, but just because we built it this way, you can go back to Memento and say, write an article based on this episode related to this keyword. That's now an article that you can post on your Substack or your Medium. Plug in your podcast episode there, plug in your YouTube channel, your Instagram, and now you have an article that will come up for that keyword. You know there's volume. You know there's people searching for that, that topic. And now you found a way to another method, another medium to drive people to the content. Absolutely, dude. I'm big on uh, actually repurposing in, in text format because I just feel like if maybe they're not going to become complete podcast listeners, I'm at least going to drive them to my site and they're going to at least learn about my brand and my business. And it, it works well in my situation as like an agency or service provider. Um, where the blog is kind of just, yeah, another form of lead generation. And then again, if they're if they're diehards, you know, I'll always sneak in links to, oh, I, I did a podcast episode about that. Or click here or just little strategies. But I think people don't really think about like the written component or the blog component because everything nowadays is so much like video content, video content. The more written articles and text you're putting out on your website, and it could be a pod, it could be a website for your podcast. In my case, it's a it's a website for the company. Google's going to see that, and you're going to start to earn trust, and you're going to start to rank for some of those keywords, and you're going to come up, you know, in the top of the top ten for Google when people type in the search phrase uh, related to that blog, uh, related to that episode, and so. I'm a big believer in that. That's actually grown my site the most. I started blogging consistently summer of 2022. And I've like 4X'd the uh, amount of traffic to my website just from that. Part of that is coming up with original ideas. But again, a lot of it, probably 75% of it is repurposing podcast transcripts uh, into that. So the fact that Memento has a feature for that is, is killer. The other thing I'll plug here, not Memento, but Substack, uh, I've seen a lot of people do great with Substack by having a free newsletter and then a paid version where you can release every podcast episode could be two free or one free article and then one paid article. 
And then people might be willing to pay $5 a month or $3 a month for your newsletter. And podcasters are always looking for ways to monetize. And do you want to wait until you have 100,000 listeners before you can monetize? <laughs> Maybe not. You, you, you already have a few hundred great fans. And a Substack is another potential monetization strategy where you turn your podcast into some articles, put some great topics under the paid articles, and then people will have ways to connect with you through the podcast, through the newsletter. And there's so many great ways you can just take that content. Oh, yeah, because I mean, I don't know the exact data, but it's probably like 1%, maybe up to 5% of like all podcasts that exist get enough downloads to yeah. uh, get advertisers interested. We work on a couple big shows. But yeah, the vast majority of people don't have enough downloads to go the traditional route where you get advertisers to buy space on your show. So using a strategy like that where um, you can begin to monetize with a smaller audience, but a dedicated audience because of that great content you're putting out is uh, really smart. Can you explain to us what AI actually is? Because right now there's all this buzz. It seemed like when we came into the year of 2023, you know, chat GPT and uh, all this AI technology. So what exactly is AI? It's a great question. <laughs> Because it's it's extremely technical to explain, but it's actually, right. in ways, it's very simple. In ways, AI is actually, you know, you'll hear people comment that AI is actually not that smart. And when they're saying that, what they're trying to say is that AI is just a bunch of probabilities. It's predicting the next word that is likely to occur after a word. So, you know, the most one of the most likely words to come after the word apple is red or green. So if you put the word Apple and the computer suggests red or green, you're not going to be that impressed because it's fairly obvious. The reason AI is so impressive is that probability of what word or sentence should come next has been trained on trillions and trillions of pieces of information. It's the same thing with images. When you, when you take an image on Dolly, which is a popular AI um, image generator, and you say, you know, add an Apple to this image, it's using all the metadata from different images on the internet that had the word Apple in it. And it's like understanding what that image looks like and it's just imposing and, and adding and subtracting pixels to create that. And that's why you get funky things sometimes. It's like multiplying and adding pixels in a way um, that looks really smart, but just has access to so much data. So AI is really just this probability machine that's trained on so much data that, you know, I think a key, maybe something that's helpful to understand when it comes to AI is AI wouldn't have been possible. 20 years ago, like the AI that we have today. Um, AI has been around as a concept, artificial intelligence, since the probably at least the 80s, the 90s for sure, more primitive versions before that. But an AI that can be so accurate and so versatile in 2023 is only possible because for the last 20 years, we've had billions of human beings pumping content onto the internet that is publicly available for a computer to analyze. So it's it's actually very timely. It's very like particular in history that AI could come to fruition in 2023, 2022, because all this information has been available. It's been organized. There's a way to crawl all of it through the internet. And this is, just to complete the thought here, this is why you see concerns with copyright and, and IP, because AI would have been possible without the world's collective contributions to the internet. And sometimes you have code that's being used from other repos that shouldn't be reused, things from articles that maybe shouldn't be reused. It gives you a sense that all AI is, is a probability machine over trillions of pieces of information that's really good at understanding what you mean by your prompt and what it could be 
based on the information that it has. Wow. So tell me, what else are you excited about with Memento? And then I want to talk about uh, the podcast space in general, some predictions, some things that you're seeing. But let's talk about Memento. What's next? What are you working on? How are you improving it? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about what's coming next. The The ultimate goal of Memento is to help anybody with content reach the max potential audience that they have. So you should never miss out on a potential listener or reader or follower on social media just because you weren't able to, to take your content and package it in a way to reach them. So I'm, I'm excited about a world where every creator is able to use Memento to package their content in so many different ways that feels authentic and accurate to their voice and reach so many more people than they ever thought possible. Doing a, a startup, you, we get exposed to a lot of audiences and a lot of people, and you really realize how big the world is. You know, most podcasts kind of leads into maybe your next question about stats and the, the industry. Most podcasts have less than a thousand listeners. If not, most podcasts have less than a hundred listeners. But there's really great information. And Ultimately, Memento is going to exist to help people who are recording, writing, creating great content, mine it in a way and repackage it in a way that can be distributed and discovered so that nobody is going to be blocked or limited by the limitations of time, uh, marketing, creative. It's going to be this tool that the same way we don't even think about making a PowerPoint or even think about making, you know, writing a Word document, just it's obvious that you could do that. Content repurposing and packaging should be that obvious in the future. Love it. Yeah. And just the accessibility of it and being able to, if you're a small person with your, you know, small brand or small business, uh, you don't have like the financial resources or the team. It sounds like this tool. And as we move forward with AI, uh, it's going to make everything more available and easier to get your message out and then hopefully to grow that following and do with it what you will, whether you're building your brand or trying to monetize or become a thought leader. Very cool. So David and I were just at Podcast Movement Evolutions in Vegas, but tell me, what did you learn or what did you see or what are you excited about and how are you kind of going to fit into that with Memento? Back when we were actually in Podcast Movement in Dallas, which was August of 2022, the big buzz was video. Everyone was talking about, I know I need to do video, I'm not doing video. That was the thing I heard with every podcaster I met, Big and small, even the big brands, um, I won't name any, they they all had the same kind of thought. The big difference I saw in Vegas uh, about two weeks ago was that video is still the focus, but everyone's on board. No one's saying, like, I need to do video, but I'm not doing video. Most people started recording on Riverside or Squadcast, whatever it might be. They're trying to find a way to incorporate video. But what's still the same is that people find video laborious, it's tiring, it's extra work. And I'm starting to see some interesting trends where some people are recording video, but only editing the audio and then using the video for their promotion, which I think is actually a great strategy because you know using something like Memento, you can pump in the video through the AI, have it identify what you need to share. It doesn't need to be edited to the level that your podcast needs to be, but you can still spend the time editing your audio. But there's definitely a, 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 a conclusion that video is going to be important in the podcast space. We're seeing YouTube uh, take a big step into podcasting, mm -hmm. turning their playlists into RSS feeds. I think that's very exciting. I think YouTube is my favorite platform right now for discovery. And I can maybe expand on that a little bit after after this uh, this question. Um, but I think the big difference in overall is that video is taking over. It's very important for podcasting. And the nuance I will add to this whole point is when people hear video is important for podcasting, there's this visceral reaction of no. 
podcasting is an audio platform. It's an audio medium. And that's why it's so great. And I, I really agree with that. And I think the caveat I put to the whole video point is that when people say video, they don't mean, or I at least don't think, they should be posting the whole episode on YouTube. Now, if you want to do that, you don't really lose anything if you go that direction. Mm-hmm. But I do think when it comes to the short and medium parts of the funnel, the discovery aspects of podcasting, that's where video needs to live. But I think podcasting as audio only, passive, on the go, that is going to be alive and well. That's going to be something that distinguishes podcasting. And I think there's this collision of video and podcasting that I'm glad that we started in the podcast world and it's slowly migrating to the video world or else we might have missed out on the opportunity to create this medium of long-form passive conversation. So you listen to most podcasts on YouTube, even if you're just listening to the audio, do you like have the video playing? Oh, okay. No, I don't. I am 100% listening only on my app, but I do like discover things on like in my feed. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. if there's like a five minute segment on, on YouTube. It's so funny because I've even been thinking about currently I do put the full video on YouTube, but one, it's a lot of work. And then two, I'm wondering, like, do I even need to do this? Cause like you said, you're not losing anything, but maybe, yeah, I should be in addition to the short form repurposing for like uh, Instagram reels and YouTube shorts, maybe I should be cutting more medium form where it's like a five minute clip from the podcast instead of the whole thing, or at least if I am going to do the whole thing, yeah, putting one or two medium form clips on my YouTube as well. One, I don't think I've ever watched a full length YouTube podcast. It may be Joe Rogan. I watched the one with Elon Musk for maybe like an hour. It's something to think about, guys, if you're out there. Uh, one, yeah, you definitely need to have some kind of video strategy and what that is could be a little different. Short form, yes full video podcast and maybe not. But like David said, maybe some medium form content with that. I actually have a friend who uh, basically only listens on YouTube. Like even if he's driving somewhere, he'll he'll like put the podcast, the video version up and then just, you know, put the phone down in his car and listen to that, which uh, is interesting. I, I, you know, if I'm doing just audio, obviously I'll listen on Apple. That's That's my app of choice. It's funny because I have a lot of colleagues and friends here in LA in the TV and film world, and and they don't listen to any audio only. If Again, if they're going to listen to a podcast, they'll almost always uh, play it from YouTube. One friend in particular, but a couple other friends who, uh, for some reason, don't get excited about audio. And I'm like, well, you listen to it like when you're on a run or at the gym or like if you're doing dishes. Uh, and I think like you, and I agree with you in that sense, like long form uh, passive listening to audio will will always be a thing. And I think that's kind of where the podcast industry started. And I'm a little all over the place. But yeah, the video strategy needs to be there and the way that you do it can vary. I, I think you actually make a super good point here. And there's a stat I saw recently that I think over 50% of podcast listeners supposedly listen on YouTube. And now it sounds... It's wild. Almost, that's wild, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And there's some, there's some good reason to believe it. Uh, one... People are already on YouTube. Again, back to the point of you want to go where people already are. They're already you there. Can't, yeah. You, they're already there. They already they already think they're already on YouTube. They can discover your content on YouTube way faster. Whether if it's a clip from your podcast, like this part right here, it could be five minutes about the importance of YouTube for podcasting. That's gonna get a lot more discoverability on YouTube search and related videos than probably our whole episode that we're recording. I mean, I hope everyone gets a chance to to listen if it's valuable for them. So 
the discovery mechanism of YouTube is just so powerful. People are already there. There's a few big shows that do do full length episodes, like Diary of a CEO is awesome. Lex Friedman's on there, and uh, they do great. I mean, they're also fantastic. Like really, they're pro level podcasters, and we're all working towards that level. So I think they produce these long podcasts, and uh, they have a bit more to stand on for for those. Um, but all that being said. I do think that medium form video is incredibly important for for podcasters, a huge opportunity. And when you link that to the fact that YouTube is the only platform where you can have your short, medium, and long form content on one channel, and you can organize it by playlist, and it's organized kind of already by shorts and video, it creates a great place. I'm not I'm not paid by YouTube to say all this, but I, I'm thinking about the space and how you grow grow a podcast. You can play with so many levers on YouTube, um, and you can still draft people to your podcast if people like your content enough through shorts, through medium form content, and then maybe a bit of your long form on YouTube. They'll want to take you to the car and take you while they're cooking and while they're cleaning. Um, let's make it easy for people to get introduced to a new podcast. It's a very intimate experience. It's someone that you start to talk to or listen to yeah. every week, and you look forward to it. So we can make that first encounter really friendly and easy on places like YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera. And then eventually building that relationship, really think about our listeners as people we're building relationships with. There'll be a point where they want to also listen to us chatting in the car and and wherever they may be. It's unfortunate too, but yeah, like you said, nobody is going on to like Apple Podcasts and like typing something in to go learn something. If they want to learn something or they're going to go to YouTube. And so... Yeah, then they might start some consuming your content. They're going to be searching for things around your content. And you need to be there. If you come up and they start consuming, yeah, some of that medium form, short form, uh, and they start to like you as a creator, then perhaps they're going to go listen to you and take that audio with them wherever they're going to go. But yeah, long story short, YouTube's going to be great for discoverability. The short form clips are going to be great for discoverability. Unfortunately... People aren't waking up every morning, typing things into Apple, looking for like a podcast to listen to that day. Whereas social media, I mean, everyone everyone wakes up, um, everyone (laughs) wakes up, they're on it. And then another hundred times throughout the day, they're scrolling. So they're going to see stuff. You're going to be found if you're putting out high quality content in those formats for those people to consume. Whereas with audio, it sucks because I'm a big audio guy. I spent my most of my career working in audio, but uh, it's a little bit harder to to be discovered. But yeah, the moral of the story is um, putting out that good content in video form, repurposing it. Uh, and Momento's doing a great job of that. Excited for you guys. Excited for what's to come. Wishing you all the best. Plug away. Plug yourself, your company. Uh, let us know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a podcaster and you're looking for ways to save time and looking for ways to find new audiences, uh, try Momento. It's a brand new tool. It's leveraging AI in the best way that we know possible. And we really care about the podcast space. We really care about podcasters growing. We work with a lot of small, medium, and some large podcasts as well. So please try it out. And um, anyone can feel free to reach out to me directly. We have a Discord as well. When you're signing up for Momento, you'll see a link to our Discord. You can reach out to me directly and I'm happy to chat. I think that maybe as you were talking, I'd love to maybe close with one more point that audio in the past was so much easier to discover because people used to listen to the radio and, and a lot of podcasts come from a radio background where distribution was almost free because you just had a radio, you had a radio in your car and you could just switch between a bunch of stations. We're faced with a challenge in, in 2023 for podcasts of trying to reach people where they are because 
we're not, you know, we're not in front of their faces anymore. So I think that's um, it's an exciting time. There's a lot of great platforms that make that enable that. Um, hopefully, AI can help bridge the gap for us um, as podcasters to to solve these problems. And I'm excited to see a lot of great podcasts uh, find new people and and grow. I know I cover up my fault lines with silly putty Like the laugh's gonna make the bad shit turn to nothing But that's rubber, I'm glued All I say stick to you, trying to get close to the truth Man, I ain't 22 no more Gotta shoot for the moon, fuck if I fall on the floor I always get packed up, ask for more I'ma keep playing pain strings till they chant an encore Do you? Don't let them push your youth through a door that they open This open wound, I'm an open book I'm a kook, shooting hoop dreams, they breaking through the roof They be at the tree of Eden, trying to tear out all its roots I be aiming for a king, playing around in a booth This'll all work out, tell my mama I'll be cool She ain't gotta worry about a little chicken flew the coop Chicken, little knew the truth, the sky's always falling down Everybody's reaching out, thinking they can grab the clouds